you have your Bibles this morning, if you'd be opening them with me to the book of John, chapter number 3. John, chapter number 3. We have been covering the story, and today we're going to be finishing the story of the exchange that Jesus Christ had with Nicodemus. This was a great story that we find in the Scripture, a doctrinal one, and something that we can learn from in the Scripture. If you would be, if you're able, if you'd be standing with me for the reading of God's Word today, we'll start with probably the most well-known verse in all the Bible, John 3 and verse 16, and we'll read down through verse number 21. The Gospel of John, chapter number 3. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And may God put a blessing on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father in heaven, bless the preaching of your word, as you have many times before. These glorious words have been spoken in many sermons and many times predating this. And Lord, we're asking again that you would bless the reading, the preaching, uh, Lord, the explanation of this book, of this passage. We pray, Lord, that you'd open the heart of those who may be lost here today, that they might be gloriously saved. And I pray, Lord, that you'd restore those who have already believed, who maybe need to rededicate their life to you. We'll give you the praise for all that you do here in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The last several weeks we have spoken of this exchange between a religious man named Nicodemus and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible describes Nicodemus in chapter 3 and verse 1 as a ruler of the Jews. And in verse 2 it says that Nicodemus had come to Jesus by night. He came under cover of darkness. You see, his friends would not have approved of him coming. And so he didn't want to come in the daylight. He came in the darkness to talk to the Lord. And the Lord was still willing to talk to him. During this exchange with the Lord, the Lord, as we have gone over the last several weeks, we learned that the Lord told Nicodemus of the necessity of being born again, the necessity of not just a physical birth, which we all have, but of another birth, a spiritual birth. Every man has this physical birth, but Jesus told Nicodemus that in order to go to heaven, every man needs to have a spiritual birth as well. We also learned that Christ referred to an Old Testament passage in the book of Numbers. Two weeks ago, when we met together on Sunday morning, we mainly focused on verses 14 and 15. 
where Jesus Christ referred to something that took place, took, took place many years before in Numbers chapter number 21, where he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Lord had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt in the Old Testament. He brought them out with a strong hand, a mighty hand, and an outstretched arm. He heard their cries from the bondage of their taskmasters. They were enslaved. And the Lord gloriously delivered them out of this bondage from Pharaoh. But the children of Israel were a grumbling and a complaining people. And they soon became tired of the manna that fell from heaven. And they grumbled and complained, and the Lord was not happy. And he sent fiery serpents into the camp, and they began to bite the children of Israel. And God told Moses to stay the plague, to make a serpent of brass and put it up upon a pole. And he said that anybody that had been bitten by the snake, if they would look at the pole that the the brazen serpent was lifted up at, that they could be healed from the plague where they were bitten. And they were. We talked about the song that was written about that called, Look and Live, My Brother Live. Now we come to this passage. The passage of John chapter number 3, verses 16 through 21, as Christ closes his conversation with this religious man. One preacher was speaking about John three sixteen, and he said this, There is no passage in all the Bible that says so much in so few words. It's a volume in a verse. It's a continent in a cup. An ocean in a dewdrop. It's the world's greatest love story and the anthem of redemption. Another preacher said, It's too fair to touch, too good to be true, and too far away to be real. But my friend, I'm here to say today that these verses are real. It talks to you about how you can be saved. Now someone many years ago, there was a doubter when he came to the first few words of John chapter 3 and verse number 16, where it says, For God so loved the world. And this doubter had said, Where did God come from? Where did God come from? And he went to a preacher after a service in Detroit. And the preacher said to him, after he said, Preacher, let's be reasonable about this. Let's talk about this. You know, where did God come from? Because the preacher had said that God came from nowhere. (laughs) The preacher again said, God came from nowhere. The reason God came from nowhere is that there was nowhere for him to come from. And coming from nowhere, he stood on nothing. And the reason he had to stand on nothing is because he had nowhere to stand. And standing on nothing, he reached out to where he reached out to there, where there was nowhere, and caught something when there was nowhere, nothing to catch, and hung something on nothing and told it to stay there. <laughs> you see, when you're trying to understand God and figure out God, you're never going to get to the end of who God is. Yeah. Job chapter twenty-six and verse seven says this: that God hangs the earth upon nothing. Isn't it amazing that in modern history, when we sent time capsules, or not time capsules, here I'm thinking of Back to the Future, when they sent those, those satellites into the air and they looked down at the earth, when you see a picture of the earth, the earth isn't suspended upon anything. God just puts it into space. 
The same preacher talked about this, how that he said, And standing on nothing, he took the hammer of his own will, and he struck the anvil of his omnipotence, and the sparks flew therefrom. And he caught them on the tips of his fingers and flung them out into space and bedecked the heavens with stars. And nobody said a word because nobody was there to see it. But God saw it and he himself said that it was good. (laughs) You know, God is good. And God is self-existence. He doesn't need me or you. He doesn't need oxygen to breathe. He just exists. God is. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In Genesis chapter number 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And God said, or in the beginnings, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen, God was there at the very beginning. So all these people out there today trying to tell you that the earth is millions and now billions of years old. Look at the Bible. God's word has always been true. God suspended the earth upon nothing. The Bible said that, that the Lord sits upon the circle of the earth. The earth was a circle before men believed it. God was there when everything happened. Why not just go to God and trust what he has to say about life? There's a lot of people that get so caught up in trying to figuring everything out. My friend, all I can tell you is God is infinite and he's past finding out. His ways are above our ways. And what he says here is so simple that even a child can understand. In John 3.16 we can see the following things. First of all, that God's love was great. Listen, I have five children. Two of my five children are here today. My second born and my last born. I love my family. I love them with all my heart. I prayed for my family. I laid hands on them in the middle of the night when they were children, asking God to protect them. I still pray for God's blessings upon my family. But what I could tell you is is that if I was willing to give my son, one of my children, as a sacrifice so that other people could live, that would be a great sacrifice. Because only someone who loved me a great deal could sacrifice A son for me. And yet the Bible said that God sacrificed His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world. Hey listen, when we talk about a great love, we're talking about a love that will break your heart. We're talking about a love that's so dear that you'd go to any length to try to help. All of us as parents know that when we have a deep and abiding love for our families, that we'd be willing to go to the the end of the world to try to help our children. And yet God, the Bible said that God so loved the world. God's love was sacrificial. He sacrificed His Son for mankind. Not only that, but we we see that God's love was a giving love. The Bible says that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. Now, I want you to think about this as you understand the world. Those of us who are any, any... age at all understand that sometimes the world can be a very cruel place death has passed upon all men death has come and there's difficulties that have come and the the circumstances of life have come and there are people who are mocking people and cruel to people was there any more cruel society than the society the Lord grew up in the Bible says that when the fullness of time was come Jesus Christ came forth made of a woman he was made under the law 
You know that there were people who were so wicked in that day that they hated Jesus Christ. At this time, the Romans, they ruled in the, in where the Jews were living and where Christ lived. The Romans ruled there. And when they got upset with people, they would crucify them. They would beat them. They would humiliate them. They would strip them naked. They would, they, they would take a cat of nine tails and beat it across their back. In Christ's in Christ crucifixion, they, the Bible said that he didn't hide his face from the spitting. They plucked the beard from his face. He was born at a time when men had no compassion and no heart for other people, especially the Romans toward the Jews. Jesus was born during a violent time period. A time period where a government official would order the slaughter of of babies from the ages of newborn to two years old. He wanted all the babies where Jesus was born to be slaughtered. This is a terrible edict that came from the very top. But when we come to God, His love was sacrificial. He gave His Son and He gave Him for us. Lastly, from John 3, 16, the first portion is that He gave His very best. He didn't give you something that was thrown away. He gave you the spotless Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw Jesus walking on that that hillside in Judea, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus was the one in whom there was no spot or no blemish. He was the sinless Son of God. He had God the Father's blood running through his veins. He never sinned, never said a dirty word, never thought a vile thought, never did anything wrong. He was proven throughout his life. And at the end of his life in John 17, he said, Lord, I finished the work which you gave me to do and then he went to Calvary and paid for our sins. Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave his very best. Secondly we can say from John chapter 3 and verse 16 and this goes for all of you. This is up to you. This is personal. The key to salvation on your part as a man or as a woman is believing. The key To salvation is believing. Another word for this word belief is trust in the scripture. Trusting. Another word for this is faith. It's believing in something you cannot see. The scripture says that believing in him, not believing in your works, not believing in your religion, not believing in your goodness, in your greatness, in your way, it is believing on him. The Bible says in John 3.16 that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, the issue with whosoever is this. It's anyone without exception. Anyone. Front to back, side to side, anywhere in the world. Red and yellow, black and white. No matter what country you came from. No matter what parents you were born to. No matter if you were born in a socioeconomic class that was rich or poor. If you were born on the wrong side or the right side of the tracks. The Lord loved everybody and it's whosoever believeth in Him. The Lord can save anyone. The Chicago baseball player Billy Sunday walked into the Pacific Garden Mission in downtown Chicago many years ago. And he heard the preaching of God's word and he got saved by the grace of God and became one of this nation's greatest preachers. You know, God could save a baseball player. (laughs) There was a man named Mickey Mantle who played for the New York Yankees many years ago and he had a saved teammate who played second base during the years that Mickey Mantle played baseball. And at the end of Mickey Mantle's life, that same friend came to him again and told him that God would be willing to forgive him. And there's a track written about Mickey Mantle about how his life was turned over to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did it while he was alive, and maybe we'll get a chance to see him. It's not going to be how how many home runs he hit that matters when he gets to heaven. 
It was whether he had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It was whosoever. You know, in the Bible, times the Bible talks about a poor man named Lazarus who was laid at the gate of a rich man. The rich man died without God and went to hell. Lazarus, a poor man, died and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. He went to that place that's known like heaven. That was where people went for a place of bliss and rest and a cold drink of water at that time. Lazarus was poor, but he was a rich man. You're rich if you have Christ. The scripture says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The key to salvation is believing. The Bible said, anyone without exception, if they believe in the Lord, then we get to this issue of eternal life. At the end of your days, you will stand before God, all of you. So then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. You will give an account for whether or not you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You either believed or you didn't. You received him or you didn't. And when you stand before him, the only chance that you have to enter into his heaven is if you believed on Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Believing on Jesus for salvation assures you that you will not spiritually perish. You see, your body will die. Your body is heading for death. Now, all of us that are in here today, hopefully we're of thinking and cognitive ability. One man once told me, I don't want to think about dying, I want to think about living. He loved to hunt. He loved to put deer up on the wall, and man, there's some beautiful creatures. I'm with the psalmist who who said of the Lord that every beast of the forest is the Lord's. And every time I go out to hunt, I ask the Lord to bring one of those beautiful big beasts around my way. And I'd like to put them into the ministry. God, God, God gave us those, those deer for food. We get to eat them. And uh, I, I, I have a, a beautiful buck. My, 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 uh, my, my son's friend, Caden, his dad asked me if I, would, if I would like to hunt on his land a couple years ago. And thank the Lord I said yes. I was out in that stand for 20 minutes and the Lord brought a monster over a bluff. And now that monster hangs up in my office, soon to come to a pastor's office near you. I thank the Lord that every beast of the field is the Lord's. But I'm not so enamored by how many horns a deer has to where I'm willing to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember talking to that man who told me he'd rather think about living and not dying. I said, well, now that you've killed this deer, what next? He'd killed this beautiful buck. You couldn't have ever dreamed of having a nicer buck than he had killed. I'm like, what now? Where are you going to do now? I mean, how many more do you have to kill? I mean, you're not going to see many finer than that. You can stay in the woods all your life before you see a deer like that. This man was lost. He was without the Lord. He said, I don't want to talk about dying. I want to talk about living. I'm here to tell you, if you die without Christ, you'll be eternally dead. There is no salvation offered beyond the grave. Believing on Jesus for salvation gives us, the Bible calls it, everlasting life. At the end of John chapter number 3 and verse 16, it says, but have everlasting life. Now, as you move on in the story, chapter, chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18 goes on to say several other things that sheds light on the issue of salvation. John 3 and verse 17 tells us this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The first thing that John 3.17 says is that God didn't send Jesus here to condemn you. He didn't. You know, the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, 
than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Do you know that Jesus called you his friend? Jesus didn't come here to condemn you to hell. Jesus came here to save you from hell. Jesus came to deliver you from condemnation. God didn't send his son here to condemn us. The Bible says in verse 17, but that the world through him might be saved. According to verse number 18, the world was already condemned. Now you say, well, I don't like that. You may not like it, but it's true. The Bible says in verse number 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. That means they're already under condemnation. Because he had not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, the key is, when Jesus Christ is presented to you, when the Lord makes known himself to you, that you will open your heart and say, yes, Lord. But for those that would hear, what? I'm under condemnation? No. I don't believe that. It is those who are rejecting Christ and say, come no further. I will not believe that I am condemned. My friends, today our sin is what condemns us. And the Bible goes into the condemnation in verses 19 through 21 in just a moment. So the world was already condemned because of the tragic effect upon sin. Listen, none of us can escape it. You know, all of my children, I've mentioned this before, that my children are wonderful beings. You know, when they were born, they were beautiful. They were, uh, you know, a gift to our family. But it wasn't too long when they started growing that all of my children manifested their own sinful condition. My children wanted their own way. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. This is true of my family and yours, everyone, including me. I came from a family of three myself. I was like a sheep that had gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That means all of our sins, everything we ever did wrong, was laid on the back of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ paid for every sin that we've ever committed. What a shame it would be. If Christ, and and this is true, what a shame it would be knowing that Jesus has paid for every sin you've ever committed and you would leave lost when the Lord just says, come unto me to be forgiven. I'll forgive you. You know, in order to be saved, you must believe. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The scripture says from John 3, 17 and 18, that those who believe on Jesus are not condemned. You realize what that means? That means you're, you don't have to worry about condemnation when you believe on Jesus Christ because you've received the free gift of salvation. But those that don't believe on Jesus, the Bible says that they are already condemned. If you look down to John chapter 3 and verse number 36, this comes from the scripture and it is true. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Listen, you don't see life when you reject the Lord. You see life when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get saved, the wrath of God's not on you. You're not condemned. You've been delivered from that condemnation. Because he that believeth on the Son hath, present tense, hath everlasting life. Are you saved today? Have you ever been saved? You say, Pastor, I've never been saved. Well, today you can walk out of this service saved because you chose to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's all about faith. Now, as we go on to chapter 3 and verses 19 through 21, we'll close with these thoughts. Now, when I say I'm closing, it's not the time to make a bunch of noise. 
stand up and go to the bathroom, put your coat on, clip your nails, and do a bunch of other things. This is the time to really pay attention. Because the Lord could be dealing in your heart and you could make an eternal decision today. I want the whole church to understand this. When we're preaching the Word of God, the devil's trying to distract people. You could even say amen at the wrong time and cause a distraction. You should be so careful when you come to the house of God. This is God's house that you would be praying for the preacher while he preaches and praying for the souls that are hearing this and that. You know, right now we've got a couple of our church members who are off in a prayer room praying for this, this meeting in here today. And all I'm trying to say is to be careful when you're in the church service to listen. When the pastor says in closing, let's bow, let's pray, let's, let's think about what God's doing in the hearts of people. John three nineteen through 21 is so important. Now this is what it says. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light because their e- e- deeds were evil. First of all, the reason for condemnation is, is discussed here. This is why men will die and go to a place called hell. Now, I didn't invent hell. I, don't, I, I didn't write about it. I've never written any books. But I believe everything the Bible has to say about hell. Many modern day preachers are trying to cut all the pages of the Bible out that speak about hell. They are unwise for doing it. This isn't their book. This is God's book. I have no right to change anything that God's book says. But when the Bible says, and this is the condemnation, that word condemnation means this, a judging, a sentence, or a decision. Years ago, I was ticketed in Missouri because we forgot to renew our plates. We forgot to renew our plates one year, and I got a ticket for driving around with expired plates on my car. I was running around so busy, I didn't even realize that the plates had expired. I had to go to court in a place called Pacific, Missouri. I showed up to the courthouse. There was a female judge, and she was very serious about her courtroom. She said, I want everyone to know at the beginning of this court session that if your phone goes off in the middle of this courtroom, I will take your phone, and I will put you in jail for the night and hold you in contempt of court. Immediately when she said that, I took my phone out and I turned it off and prayed that I did not have anything on my phone by way of an alarm. Within five minutes of court starting, about a 19 or 20-year-old kid in the back, his phone went off. And the judge says, take him into custody, take his phone, and he spent the night in jail. What she had said was, this isn't your house, this is a courthouse. Now listen, there's coming a day when there's going to be somebody sitting on the throne a whole lot more fearful than that woman in Pacific, Missouri. His name's God. He's our creator. And we're going to stand before God. And the Bible says this is the condemnation. This is why men are condemned. This is why a sentence of guilty is given to them. Because light came into the world, and men knew that light came into the world, and they loved their darkness rather than than light because their deeds were evil. They knew about Jesus Christ, they heard about Jesus Christ, and they said, we don't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this, and this is the condemnation. When the word condemnation is given, it assumes that the trial has taken place and the guilty verdict has been passed. 
The Bible says also in John three nineteen through 21 that light came into the world. That light was Jesus. If you read the, the Gospel of John, and let me encourage you today, if you're trying to get to know Jesus, if you're trying to get to know who Jesus is, one of the greatest places to start studying of Jesus in all the Bible is the Gospel of John. I mean, John talks about Jesus being the light. It talks about John the Baptist being the forerunner of Christ, how John wasn't that light, but he bore witness to that light. Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he was that light that came down from heaven. So the Bible says that the condemnation or the judgment is this, that men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men reject Christ because of sin, selfishness, and evil deeds. To put it plainly, men want their own way. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. Listen, as a God-fearing believer, I don't want my way. I want God's way. God's ways are best. God's ways are better. God's ways were a whole lot better than my ways. Let me encourage you today. Don't reject God for your ways. That will end in destruction. Verse number 20 says this. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. So someone who is committed to their sin, their selfishness, and their ways, they don't want to come to preaching, they don't want to come to have their deeds made manifest, because they don't want anything to do with that. They're they're comfortable in their sinful lifestyle. But someone who wants to know, Lord, am I pleasing to you, or, or, or thinking about their eternal destiny, they will come to the Lord... So that their deeds could be reproved if they need to be. That word reproved means this. To disgrace, to put to shame, to expose, or to show to be guilty. You know, when I started feeling guilty, and that's a feeling of conviction when God begins to show you that you are lost, that's a good thing. If God shows you you're lost, you now can be saved. He's drawing you to salvation. The Bible says that no man can come to the Father except the Lord draw him. He does that through preaching and through his word. God uses things in our lives to convict us. And when that burning of the heart takes place, he's drawing you in cords of love saying, Hey, be saved. If you're, if you're in this place in life where you're not even open to receiving Jesus, you're not going to be saved at that point. Because you're standing in open rejection to the Lord. But if you're at a place in life where you say, wait a second, I don't want to die without Christ. I know that Christ died for my sins and I've never been saved. I want to come to the Lord by way of believing like the scripture says, and I want assurance that I'm saved. The Bible says in verse 21, this is called doing the truth. There came a day when I did this. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light. I came to the Lord. I didn't run from the Lord. The Lord showed me I was lost, and I came to the Lord. I bowed before the Lord. I received Him by faith. I knew what the Bible said about me was true. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Those who want Christ don't run from the light. They run to the light. Now let me ask you a question here today as we close today's message. The simple question is, If you died today, do you have assurance that you would be in heaven when you died? You say, I'm not so sure I'd go to heaven, Pastor. I'm not sure. You can be sure because the Bible assures you of salvation if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. The trajectory of your life, are you running toward the Lord right now? Or are you running away from the Lord? Are you coming to the truth or are you going away from the truth? My friends, God will lay things out on purpose for you when you're walking towards Christ. 
But if you're walking away from Christ, the Bible says this, the way of the transgressor is hard. My friends, the world is hard enough. It's hard enough already. Even if you have Christ, the, the world is tough. But when you have the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll help you throughout this, this, this thing we call life. Are you saved today? Have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? These verses are understandable to anybody who can think. God loved you. He gave His Son for you. The question is, will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps today you'll say yes. Maybe today's the day where you say, you know what? I'm tired of being lost. I don't want to be lost anymore. I want to be saved. This invitation's for you. Let's bow with our, stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We're going to have this verse of invitation in just a moment. The musicians are going to come. Our pianist will begin playing on the piano. Everyone's heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We're giving everyone a private moment to spend with the Lord for a time of reflection. Maybe you need to come down to the altar and pray. This is an invitation time. We're inviting you to come. If you're lost today, we want you to come and be saved. If you're away from the Lord today, we want you to get right with the Lord. This is that time of invitation. The pianist has begun to play. If God spoke to your heart, if you're lost today, won't you just step out of the pew and say, you know what? Today's my day. I want to get saved right this very moment. I don't want to put it off another moment. Be saved today. As Brother John sings, won't you come? Don't put it off. Maybe you need to pray for someone who's lost. Maybe now's the time you can come to the altar and say, Oh Lord, we're giving this to you. Help us, Lord. Won't you come? Lord's working in your heart. I want you to come. Be saved today.
until it's too late. Without the music, let's just sing God is so good for just a moment. God is so good presence here in the church house today. Uh, we want to say before we dismiss that the invitation is always open. If you're lost and you need questions answered, we do Bible studies with people routinely to try to show them how they can be saved to work through issues of the scripture. We'd be more than happy to help you uh, with a Bible study if you're struggling with any issue there. We also try to do discipleship studies with those who believed on the Lord Uh, so that they can grow in their Christian faith. That's what the church and the ministries of the church are all about. And uh, we hope and pray we'll be able to see you back tonight. We have services at 6 p.m. Again, if you come to that service, you're welcome to stay with us for a fish fry. And uh, the Capitan Alan Webster will be uh, manning the kitchen. And uh, the first mate, uh, Jeffrey Evans, will also be there uh, to help us put the food in the ministry and season it correctly. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Pray for those who you don't see. We have Miss Judy McKinney, who's been in the hospital for a long time. Pray that God would give her strength. 
It's good to see Miss Christine here today. Pray for Brother Ed. He's going to try to be here tonight, although he's supposed to be on a low-sodium diet, and I'm not so sure we can even make low-sodium fish. But uh, it's, I suppose where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are going through health needs and concerns and just difficulties. Uh, pray for one another and be there to support.